Welcome to Humans of CX, a podcast powered by OzoneTel. We share the latest insights in customer experience from industry experts to help you humanize your approach, placing empathy at the center of the customer experience. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. Welcome everybody to Humans of CX. I'm your host, Todd Vecca. Today, I am joined by Katie Stabler, founder and director of CX at Cultivate, a consultant, author. Katie, how are you doing today? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Katie, I live in Cheshire, UK. I started my career, I suppose, in very humble roots, like most of us, working in contact centers. For those of you who are in the UK, you might be familiar with good old Woolworths, who's sadly no longer with us, but, you know, working front of house with customers. I would say I organically came into customer experience because I started my first real job, you know, outside of university in the not-for-profit sector, and I spent about a decade there. And although my roles, they wouldn't have the CX in the title, I don't think you get more organically customer experience than in not-for-profit because everything you are doing is for the people you serve. You founded Cultivate in 2020. What gap in customer experience is Cultivate trying to solve? I think it's that gap of bringing holistically together your customers and your employees. And just that recognition that, you know, you, you as a business, you cannot function without both of those, unless you're a very unique business. You need your customers, you need your employees. They both need to have a fantastic experience in order to deliver correctly. So that's the gap. And I love working with organizations that get the benefit of bringing those together. Awesome. Is there a story behind the name? Cultivate, yes. It's basically my whole ethos of customer experience. It's that, you know, it needs to be designed expertly, needs to be delivered proficiently, but then it needs to be constantly cultivated. It doesn't sit stagnant. You have to nurture and grow it. Awesome. And more specifically, what's the mission and some of the objectives that you've achieved through Cultivate? So it's specifically with the ambition of helping organizations and the point that they're in right there, their journey. So I work in all different manners from strategic support to tactical implementation. So my mission is very much to help organizations understand where they're at and understand where they need to get to and help them transition through those points. Awesome. Now, we have something in common. We both have backgrounds in psychology. I know I went through a time in my life where I thought I was never going to use it and I should have picked a different major. But then as I kind of got into my career, I saw that there was a connection between psychology and customer experience and maybe everything. But how do you feel that connection is important? And do you have the same similar type of feeling? Yeah, I mean, customer experience and psychology are so intertwined. And when I started my major in psychology, gosh, over 15 years ago now at uni, I would never have thought that I'd been working in customer experience. I would never have made that connection. I don't even know what customer experience was back then. But now I can't get away from it in my day-to-day life. And I particularly enjoy the conversations around psychology and communication, the connection between psychology and neuroscience, and just the fact that customer experience is made up of our perceptions, which is developed by our own psychology. So it's all interlinked. Yeah, absolutely. And you call yourself a comfortable disruptor of the status quo. Tell us what that means. I think if you don't believe that's um, applicable to you as a CX professional, you're probably not being a very good CX professional. And I mean that because we get comfortable in organizations and we do things the way it's always 
been done for many, many reasons. And I think as a customer experience professional, you need to be confident in challenging that that might not be the best way to do things. Challenging perceptions, challenging bias, because we have so much of that in business and you can't progress in customer experience without being able to understand that our perception might not be our customer's perception. Right. And if we have the attitude, well, if everything's fine, then I guess we're not necessary, right? I mean, there has to be something that can always get better. Exactly. And there is always something gets better. I think I'd, I'd, I can't remember who said this recently, so I'll have to quote them afterwards. But they said something along the lines of a customer experience job is to be professional friction hunters. And I love that. I think it's so true. You, you are seeking out the things that need to be improved. Yeah, I love that. How is customer experience evolving in the face of a potential recession and also coming out of the pandemic of a couple of years ago? It, where do you see CX going or where has it come from in recent times? I feel like this conversation is it's really prevalent right now because obviously there's a big question of is customer experience recession proof when organizations are cutting back and tightening the belt? Things like customer experience, you know, it's fair to say that they're sometimes first uh, last in, first out. But I think, you know, now more than ever, customer experience continues to be essential. Uh, loyalty only goes so far. When customers are in a real crunch, which potentially we may all be, there comes a point where they're going to have to make hard decisions and you can't relax on your laurels. You can't lay back and just expect things to be the same. So now more than ever, customers need reassurance. They need care. They need to feel like more than a number for you to have any chance of being successful with those customers. Yeah, let's tie that in a little bit to the employee experience and that trickle-down effect. There's this new trend, whether it's a buzzword or real, I think we have some statistics on it, about quiet quitting and folks not feeling appreciated by their companies, and especially if they're frontline workers, how that affects the customers. So kind of similar question, how do you feel like the employee experience has changed, whether it's recession or just pandemic or just now that we're working from home more than ever? Is it the same answer or... Is it different for the employees? Similar. I think, you know, undoubtedly it's changed because we're all in very different dynamics now. As you mentioned, the fact of working from home, some people like it, some people don't. It's a whole new way of working. And then the whole additional level of that, the extra conversations that are coming about and becoming more prevalent, like four-day work and actually what is valuable to the employer. I love the theory of the customer experience employee experience loop, which is, you know, really simplistic notion that if as an employee, you offer a good customer experience, you feel the lovely feels of offering a great customer experience. In turn, you're motivated to continue to do that. And your customers are motivated to continue to come back. And it all cycles in lovely. And that kind of motivation that comes from customer experience, I think is sorely ignored in the world of recruitment. We have this list of benefits of join our organization and you'll get A, B, C, and D. Actually, I think when you look at the research around the organizations that uh, feature highest in employee satisfaction, they also feature very high in customer experience. So I think organizations need to latch on to that more and really maximize the potential benefit that the two have on each other clearly. Yeah, let's put on um, let's put down your psychologist hat a little bit for this next question. When you're working with companies and maybe there is some friction or maybe you are trying to disrupt a few things and Maybe the company doesn't agree or they think that, well, we've been doing this the right way for a long time. How much of you having to be a psychologist and maybe walk them through the potential, the future, the potential consequences of not changing, how much does that come into play in what you do? Change management, I think it kind of, it touches on that, doesn't it? You will naturally face 
objection and challenge. Because you're also, I mean, amongst everything, you are pointing out negativity. You're pointing out ways of doing things better. So this natural kind of reaction to be protective around the way in which you do things. So I think the world of customer experience hugely requires the ability to build effective stakeholder relationships, know how to embrace that change management cycle. I think if you and the audience are familiar with the ADCAR model, that's a model of change which I deploy quite a lot in my work with other organizations. And it's that really, that notion of getting people to be aware. I'm going to have to remember what ADCAR stands for now. Getting people to be aware, (laughs) building that desire, creating that knowledge action, creating action, and then continual recycling of that review. So I think that's so even if I use it light touch or quite heavily within an organization, it isn't ever something that doesn't feature in part of my consultancy. Sure. A lot of times we see a disconnect between what a company's KPIs are as opposed to what the customer actually wants. So the customer says, well, our KPIs are right in line. But then when we do maybe more of a customer satisfaction survey, the customer's like, well, there's things that could be better. And I I think sometimes there's that disconnect. How do we bridge that gap to, hey, it's not just about what we want, or when I say we, I mean the company, it's about what the consumer wants or the buyer wants. How do we bridge that gap? I think it's around trying to demonstrate proof in the pudding, as it were. And I think, you know, it comes back to making sure that the insight that you're using is really robust. Because I mentioned earlier, but we all have bias and you can have insight bias. And I might look at some data and unveil something which you might look at and think very differently. So I think when you are talking about trying to figure out what we want versus what the customer wants and making sure that we're all on the same path, that insight generation needs to come from multiple facets. So, you know, not just your customer's voice, but also your voice of the process. So with the likes of things like customer journey mapping, your voice of your employee, nobody knows the experience better other than your customers, than your employees. So I think the one of the best courses of action is to make sure all of the insight you're collecting is coming from multiple facets and you're seeing the key trends. And then it starts to become quite unequivocal. And if your stakeholder and audience internally still isn't buying into that, well, you know, that's going to be a difficult journey. And I've got to hold my hands up and say, you know, I've worked with one organization during my time in consultancy with my own business, where actually the disconnect wasn't fixable. We ended in a position where their view of customer experience was very, very different to, I suppose, what the customer wanted. And they were on their own mission. They had their own objective. They weren't really willing to listen to the customer's voice. And, you know, sometimes you've got to just hold your hands up and say, well, maybe you're not ready for this transition then. But I'd like to say they're few and far in between. Sure. Let's switch gears and talk about social responsibility a little bit. How is that a customer experience driver? I know it's something that's very important to you. I love this. And I think it's generational. So I think we are changing our consumer base, you know, obviously with the growth of Gen X and whoever's coming next, all of these lovely terms. Customers want different things nowadays. You know, yes, okay, speed is important. We still like the Amazon next day delivery culture. But actually, if you look at the research that's out there at the moment, customers are drawn to organizations that they feel affiliations and connections with. And if that is strong enough, they're willing to wait a few extra days for a delivery. They're willing to pay a little bit more. There's a few companies out there which so strongly advocate for their corporate social responsibility, their passions, the causes they support. And they have such a strong consumer, customer base. 
And I think what organisations need to do with regards to, if, if because this happens as you're a youthful organisation, you have the ability to do this. As you grow and scale, some of the confidence in that starts to get lost because you start to want to attract bigger audiences. So that niche disappears. I think organizations need to have the confidence to continue to be uniquely themselves and stay with the customers who are strong and loyal to them. Yes, they may not have the scale that they potentially could have if they didn't reduce their niche capacity, but they have the loyalty and the loyalty is what sticks. You will lose customers over the way who aren't loyal, but the loyal customers are the ones who'll stay true. And corporate social responsibility is so key to that because People want to feel like they're doing something good in the world and supporting good. Sure. Quote of the week, and hopefully I got this right. Priorities are the biggest barrier to customer experience. Tell me about that. Did I get that right? Yes. Oh, I find this in almost every organization I work with. Not every individual, but every organization. It's like anything, you know, customer experience tends to be a bit of a side of the desk. If you're lucky enough in an organization where it isn't side of the desk and you have dedicated resource to it, it's typically not very much dedicated resource. You rarely find huge teams of CXs in one organization. And you often hear the things like, we don't have the time, we don't have the money, that problem's too big to solve, we don't know what the problem is. You hear all of these, which are valid potentially, but they're an excuse. And what essentially it is, is it's saying we're not prioritizing customer experience. It isn't because you don't have money. It isn't because you don't have resources. It isn't because you don't have time. It's because you're not putting it on the top of the priority list. And I think that's one of the biggest barriers organizations have to face when we're talking about CX. Sure. I think we touched on a couple of them already, but what CX trends are you kind of following and monitoring in your day-to-day? I am really interested still in the evolution of automation and chatbots in CX because we've been talking about it for a long time. And yes, the pandemic elevated it and it sped forward a little bit, but I still don't see much out there with regards to really successful application. Live chat, great. Hearing lots of exciting things in the world of automation chatbots around bringing in sentiment analysis and really specific dedicated um, communication channels. But in reality, I don't speak to many other CX professionals or work with many organizations that are truly doing this well. So I'm really curious to see how that's generating in the CX world. Do you think some of that also is generational where maybe older generations still want to talk to a live person where maybe a Gen Gen X or Gen Z or is maybe more tolerant of a chatbot, even if they're not perfect? Maybe, but I think there's a bit of a gap in use case as in, so yes, like you say, generational, some people want to speak to an advisor, but also I think the ability of chatbots right now, the kind of information they can give you, the likes of a Gen Xer or someone really internet savvy, they'll probably be able to find out that information themselves just by going on the website. So it's almost a question of to what purpose does a chatbot serve? If it can't do that little bit extra, then it's basically got no use in my opinion. I think people either want live chats or the ability to pick up the phone and speak to somebody. Generally speaking, yeah, I don't see much use case out of that. But I'd love to be able to see a world where actually it does do more and it can be cleverer, just not seeing it yet. Okay. Let's talk about your book, Customer Experience 2. Who is this book for? It's a bit of a coffee table read. So it's easy to pick up, really small chapters, straight in. I would say it's for progressive CXs and even CX leaders who just need sometimes to fall back on a bit of comfort. In that book, it covers 
everything in the world of CX from multiple different disciplines and multiple authors. So I think it's for yeah, progressive people who are learning on their career, but for those who also just want a bit of reassurance when they pick up a book and go, yes, that is what I'm doing. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. All right. We're going to go back in time a little bit, only about three or four years, I would say. But what advice would you give to your 18-year-old self? Thank you. About a few more years than that. <laughs> I would say if you are stepping into the world of CX, particularly, you need to be it goes back to the conversation we had around challenging the status quo. You need to be confident, super confident in being able to have difficult conversations and being also able to have conversations with everybody because CX is a responsibility of everybody in the organization. And you're not going to be successful working in a company if you're quiet and you're sat in the corner and you're not out there completely advocating for CX because you really do need to. You're going to have people in your pocket who will support you, but more often than not, you've got people who are just too busy and you've constantly got to be that person in the ear who is supporting the organization to grow. Are there any books you're reading right now? Either on it doesn't have to be about CX, but just for purposes of this topic and anything that it's kind of relevant that maybe our audience should be looking into? Yes, actually. There is a great book at the moment called uh, The Consciousness of You by Anil Seth. Um, he's a professor professor of neuroscience and he's actually got this amazing census, global census at the moment, the perception census. So if you're interested in the world of perception and consciousness and how that connects to CX, I'd highly advocate that you Google Anil Seth, do his perception census because the more people who contribute it, the better the world of science will understand perception. Great. And we can put that info in the show notes. Thank you for that. All right. We're going to have a little fun now. We're going to take the CX party trolley over to England, right? You're the driver of the CX party trolley. Who would you like to pick up on that bus ride to talk about CX, to have fun? Who are people in this industry that you kind of look to spend time with? And Right. There is a great podcast called The Intuitive Customer, and it is run by Colin Shaw and Ryan Hamilton. I just love listening to those two. Their banter is ridiculous, but they're also really helpful in the world of CX and constantly sharing new insights, which are I find very helpful in my day-to-day practice. So I'd love to have a chat with those two guys. This is going to be a really obvious one, but you know, good old Fred, Fred Reichfield. I want to know why we didn't start talking about earned growth rate 20 years ago when he started MPS. I think the, the prospect of earned growth rate, his new version of MPS is exciting, interesting, but is it going to take another 20 years like MPS to get off the ground? So I'd like to talk about him and his thought process. What is uh, the best restaurant in England? Ooh, so I am a massive foodie. I don't know if you saw from some of my content, but I was a MasterChef quarterfinalist in England. So I love everything from, you know, street food to Michelin star. And I actually reached one of my ambitions recently to go to Heston Blumenthal's three star, three Michelin star restaurant, The Fat Duck down in Bray. And um, ah, it's a dream come true. Didn't disappoint. Fiona's in Kensington is my answer. If you haven't been there, please check it out. Uh, I have not, but I will. Fiona's. Is the Sunday roast overrated? (laughs) In my opinion, yes. And nobody does a Sunday roast as good as your mum. So don't bother going out to a restaurant because they're not going to be as good as your mum's. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Let's, um, we always like to end with just kind of a gratuitous plug for you. Can you tell the audience maybe what you have going on next? What's the next six months look like for you? What are you working on? And pretty much anything that you want to share. And we'll make sure that we follow, like, and subscribe to your material as we move forward. Thank you so much. I am in the depths of working for some ICT companies at the moment. I'm also 
building up my own knowledge, building some e-learning masterclasses for a company, which technically speaking is challenging me. So I'm getting my adapt coding skills up to scratch. But essentially, you know, continuing the ambition to work with organizations. Actually, here's a little plug. I would love to work with some organizations in the hospitality sector. So if anyone is in the hospitality sector who's seeking a bit of CX support, hit me up. Thank you so much. We've spent the last 25 minutes or so with Katie Stabler, founder and director of CX at Cultivate, consultant, author, foodie, doing a lot of other things. This has been pretty exciting. Katie, thank you so much for your time today. Lovely. Thanks for having me, Todd. It's been fun. Thank you for listening to Humans of CX, a podcast brought to you by OzoneTel. If you enjoyed today's show, visit OzoneTel.com to learn more about how our robust omni-channel communications platform makes it the industry leader within the customer experience space. You can find Humans of CX on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as well as other platforms that are featuring podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thank you so much for listening.